Chapter Sixteen of Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway. Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall by Annie Rowe Carr. Chapter Sixteen. Relating it all i won't believe it declared nan sherwood you saw it with your own eyes i don't believe my own eyes then was nan's energetic rejoinder well i know i saw it that doesn't convince me in the least bess harley well you are the most obstinate girl i won't own up to such foolishness cried nan hotly a ghost just doesn't exist they were back in their own room at lakeview hall bess could not have told for the life of her how they had obtained their sweaters out of the locker put them on and escaped from the boathouse but she knew that somehow nan had kept her from running away in a panic why nan we saw it bess reiterated saw what the ghost we saw nothing of the kind we saw something well but a ghost is nothing we could not see a spirit that was something palpable we saw it crossed in front of two windows and we could not see through it it had a solid body well beth returned there may be solid ghosts doesn't stand to reason there's supper i don't want supper much said bess shivering we'll go down and ask susan for a hot tea that's what we need said practical nan and let's keep still about this about water and all oh no i mean about what we saw at the boathouse then you do admit we saw something cried bess that's just it said nan dryly we did see something therefore it was not a ghost her insistence on this point vexed bess not a little she felt that they had seen a strange thing and she wanted to tell the other girls about it but what would be the use of doing that if her chum pooh-poohed the idea of a ghost and merely went to henry as she threatened to and told him that some tramp or other prowler was hanging about the boathouse for said nan the girls keep bathing suits and sweaters and all sorts of things down there and that fellow whoever he is may be light-fingered dear me grumbled bess you never are romantic huh what's romantic about a disembodied spirit smells of the tomb declared nan there was one thing however that had to be told the canoe was lost and mrs cupp must be informed at once so after supper the two chums sought that stern lady's room which was right at the top of the basement stairs as nan and bess approached this ogress castle as the girls called mrs cupp's room a tall thin lady was going in ahead of them she had on her coat and hat and was evidently a visitor from outside dear me 
who's that whispered nan to her chum oh i know bess replied eagerly one of the girls pointed her out to me on the street and i never could forget that funny old-fashioned hat well exclaimed nan hanging back who is she mrs cupps's sister she lives alone in the village she's a milliner that's why she wears such an awful hat i suppose giggled bess by the same token shoemakers wives go almost barefoot hush breathed nan the visitor's high-pitched querulous voice reached their ears plainly for she had not taken pains to close the door well now ida what did i tell you she began he's back again goodness how you startled me sadie vane was mrs cupps's response she had evidently been sitting at her desk with her back to the door you'll be more startled ida cup when you hear what i have to tell you miss vane went on to say hurriedly well do shut the door you needn't tell it to the whole school sadie said the matron sharply the door banged i'm first to interview mrs cupp said nan sensibly and she and her chum withdrew linda riggs had confided a garbled account of the boating accident to her particular chum and roommate cora courtney of course cora eagerly spread the tidings there was a group of excited girls in the main study when nan and bess came through the front hall ready to pounce on them hey sawney's ordered mabel schiff a big girl who would graduate from the hall at the end of the school year come in here and give an account of yourself let's not nan whispered bess hanging back come on commanded the big girl why not nan asked her chum they've all got to know about it she's a friend of linda's bess again whispered then we'll find out what linda has told nan said and boldly entered the room hello said the big girl you don't look much like a couple of drowned rats they tell me you've been overboard we got wet admitted nan quietly got wet why you lost your canoe and were almost drowned and if it hadn't been for linda riggs you wouldn't have been saved in spite of her we were saved is nearer the truth nan declared but without showing any of the warmth that bess was beginning to display how ridiculous she saw you and made that mason boy sail over to you and pick you up didn't she no she didn't snapped bess quite losing her temper now oh of course you kids would say that scoffed the big girl you don't like linda but poor linda was so sick she couldn't come down to supper she was sicker out in that boat bess said with a laugh you should have seen her and you can laugh groaned miss schiff it was no laughing matter for a while nan put in good-naturedly we really were in great trouble our canoe was lost you'll have to pay for that children mabel schiff cried we all know that bess returned smartly and our folks are quite as well able to pay for the old thing as linda's father 
"Oh, hush, Bess!" begged Nan. This sort of talk did sound so common. I don't care. I'm sick of hearing about Linda's riches, Bess rejoined. I suppose you girls think you saved yourselves, the big girl went on. No, we did not, Nan said with seriousness. Walter Mason saved us. We could have drowned had it not been for Walter. Oh, of course, it was his boat. It was Walter himself who did it all, Nan went on enthusiastically. He's as brave as he can be. She then related the whole incident, just as it had taken place. The girls listened attentively at last, for the story of the squall and the boating accident that followed it, with the details of the rescue, lost nothing in Nan's telling. Great, great, shouted Linda Polk, when Nan finished. You ought to be class historian, Nancy Sherwood. But how about Linda? suggested another girl slyly. She is some historian too, isn't she? Now Nan had said nothing in her voracious tale about the purse-proud girl, but Mabel Schiff said, I don't believe all that. I guess Linda was there as much as these freshies. Yes, she was, exclaimed Bess excitedly, and all she did was to be ill over the rail of the boat and scold Walter for making an effort to save us. That's the sort of girl Linda is. That sounds a good deal like her, announced the red-haired girl bluntly. Linda Riggs can't pull the wool over our eyes much. We've all seen enough of her to know pretty much what she would do at such a time. You're jealous of her, sniffed Mabel. Sure, laughed Laura. We're jealous of her kind disposition, her honey-dripping tongue, and her delightfully social ways. And her money, flashed Mabel. I think, said May Winslow, a peace-loving and withal ladylike girl, I think we have discussed an absent fellow pupil quite enough. Let us say nothing about Linda that we would not say to her. Oh, goodness, cried the impulsive Bess. I'd say just what I think of her to her face. That would not make it the less ill-natured, said May quietly. End of chapter 16